0: Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where each week we tell you about strange things that have happened in history. I'm your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me, as ever, is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Yo! Hello, how you doing?
1: Hello! I'm possibly the sleepiest I've ever been on this podcast.
0: Yeah, quite possibly. We'll see how that goes. I slept (laughs)
1: for a good five hours during today.
0: Yes, that's very true. That's very (laughs) true. Um, Well, anyway, right into our story, ignoring your tiredness, uh, last week... (laughs) Stop that. What's that? Stop it. Okay. Last week you brought up that it is LGBTQ Awareness Month. Yes. Or Celebration Month. Or is it just month? It's History Month. History Month. That's the word. Because we
1: also got Pride Month.
0: Yeah. you think I'd remember that it's History Month on our history (laughs) podcast.
1: Yes, but didn't you know that this is a comedy awareness podcast?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, last week you told us about the Chevalier Dion. Wait. Who may well have been a trans woman in Could some ways. Be. In Hard some to ways. say.
1: Hard to say.
0: So I'm going to talk about someone a little similar. Oh. a little similar. Maybe. Maybe. You'll see. You'll see.
1: The I'm- Chevalier de Off.
0: <laughs> no. a <laughs> <laughs> doctor. Oh. Doctor James Barry. A doctor, military surgeon and humanitarian. Nice. And in fact, the first doctor in the British Empire and possibly in the English-speaking world to successfully perform a Caesarean section in which both mother and child survived.
1: Okay, first up. Oh my God, that's incredible. It's so cool. And second up. Like on a battlefield?
0: No. Okay, good. No, but it was in Cape Town. Uh, okay. <laughs> which was a colony. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you know, okay. military yep. over there.
1: Military in the sense of we're here to suppress the
0: natives. Exactly. Okay, sure. Exactly. Speaking of Cape Town, though, he did bring clean water to Cape Town.
1: What, in a backpack?
0: No, as in he improved the sanitation of their water system. Oh, well done. Yep. Uh, He also fought for better conditions for the enslaved, for prisoners, for the mentally ill, and other social outcasts like lepers. Oh, wow. And this was not just in Cape Town. This was quite a variety of places. Cool. So, unusually, I'm going to start at the end with James Barry's death. Okay. (laughs) He died of dysentery at the age of probably around 75, 76.
1: Okay, like damn but also maybe he should have fought harder for that clean water and sanitation
0: well this was in england oh (laughs) (laughs) awkward i know right um but when he died he left very specific instructions about what should happen with his body okay He he said it
1: should be buried at a crossroads at midnight with a stake through his heart
0: no he wasn't worried about being a vampire okay um, he seemed to just not want people to make a fuss. Basically okay. said, just leave me in my clothes, just wrap me in my bed sheets, and bury me in that.
1: Okay, I like it, eco-burial.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But despite his wishes, <laughs> it was decided that a military surgeon of his ranking should not be just tossed in an open grave, <laughs> but instead should be buried in the proper manner.
1: Right, What what is the proper manner for a military surgeon? Well,
0: he would have received a proper grave, like he would mm. have been washed, he would have been dressed in his finest suit, basically. Oh, what
1: era is this, by the way? Because we've got it's British Empire times.
0: Oh, yes, I didn't actually say, did I? No. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Uh, he died in 1865. Okie-dokie, okay, okay. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Dickensian times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Where was I? Oh, yeah. So his body was laid out and a discovery was made by the charwoman Mm -hmm. who was responsible for basically cleaning the body and dressing it up.
1: Okay. (laughs) They left this to the charwoman. Yeah. And they're like, let's do full military burial. Well, the char...
0: Beryl, just
1: get in here, take his
0: clothes off. Yeah, he needs to be washed and that was the charwoman's job. Right, Okay. And when she began undressing James Barry, she noticed something. James Barry had stretch marks on his abdomen. Okay. That looked very much like pregnancy stretch marks.
1: Okay.
0: And the charwoman should know because it seems like she had about nine kids. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, everyone in those days had about nine children, yeah.
0: And upon further investigation, discovered that Dr. James Barry... Was a woman? Oh my god! Indeed, and one who'd been pregnant. One who had been pregnant at some point in her life.
1: That's okay. That's super interesting because we've talked. We talked a bit when we were doing the Chevalier d'Éon. Yeah, about the fact that the idea of a woman dressing in men's clothes in order to join the army was kind of like an established yeah. storyline that everyone could get behind. So they they believed that the Chevalier on Chevalier d'Éon, sorry, was genet like biologically female yeah so it's interesting to me that james barry may have done this the other way around but clearly also got pregnant
0: i'm not gonna lie the pregnancy bit is grim oh no so we are gonna cover that early and that should tell give you an idea of just why this is so grim okay but We'll go right back then, having established that Dr. James Barry was not what he appeared, Mm -hmm. and go right the way back to the beginning. Okay. So before we continue, uh, for this early part of the story, and for a very specific reason, I am going to be using uh, what we would term Dr. James Barry's dead name. Right, okay. uh, As well as referring to him as she- for purposes that will become clear. Should
1: we explain what a dead name is, in case our audience? Oh yes,
0: that? a dead name is kind of your old name before you transition.
1: Okay, cool. The one that your parents gave you.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, there's a big question mark about whether or not we would describe dr james barry as a trans man
1: it's going to be the same as the chevalier day on isn't it very
0: much so i think there's more evidence here to suggest that dr james barry was a trans man and a lot of people do now sort of accept that that is the case but as sure. with everyone in history we don't know for certain i'm gonna go ahead with this assumption okay so after a certain point, when he basically transitions, I'm going to be referring to him as he and just Dr James Barry. That's fair. But before that, we have Margaret Anne Bulkeley. Okay. Born around 1789. We don't really know. She wasn't born to a great family. Okay. But uh, revolutionary, yeah, very important. Yes. Uh, but she was the second child to Jeremiah and Mary Ann Bulkeley in Cork in Ireland. Okay. So precise detail about Margaret's early life is quite difficult to obtain. Understandable, always. poor person in the 1700s, we ain't got no clue. Yeah, pretty much. Um, It seems that her direct family was not particularly wealthy and high status, and may have suffered from some anti-Catholic persecution that was going on at the time. Her dad, Jeremiah, was a merchant and he was actually running the way house in Merchant's Quay in Cork, okay. which is a pretty good job. And then suddenly he loses it. Mm. There's a question mark, though, because he was then sent to debtor's prison and there is right. a suggestion that he may have mismanaged the finances.
1: Right. But could go either way. Could go either
0: way. If we, we could
1: add on a little bit more guilt for being British, that would be great.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, but we don't, we don't know exactly. And at this point, Jeremiah kind of drops out of history. Okay. He's just one of those people, unfortunately.
1: All right. Well, I've heard of much worse people going to death's prison. That's
0: true. That's true. Uh, Margaret did have an older brother, John, but he was married off quite early and kind of had nothing more to do with his family. Okay. So this left Margaret and her mother, Marianne, in a really difficult position.
1: Yeah. Okay. So women in the 1700s, difficult to earn a living.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... For a while, kind of did the traditional thing you might expect. Margaret was a very clever woman. Mm-hmm. And she was put in training to be a governess. Okay. Unfortunately, her temperament did not suit the job of being a governess.
1: Okay. She go was
0: on. also much. La- I don't want to, you know, detract from governesses, yeah. but Margaret was much cleverer than that.
1: I mean, so. I teach Jane Eyre yeah. at school and it's like the governor's job is such a horrible position to put oneself in because it's so incredibly lonely Yeah, and because you're expected to know a lot of things, but then be a servant sort yeah. of. It's a It's a really difficult situation to be in. It's not the same as being a servant because then you have a lot of other people of the yeah. same rank around you and it's not the same as being one of the masters because you're considered to be less. So yeah. it's like, and you don't get to be with your friends. And yeah, it's it's just very tricky and a, a hard spot for educated people to be in, actually. Yeah,
0: and Margaret's also got to support her mother, basically, with this job. Great. Right. So it's not going to be easy. It's also not easy because Margaret's younger sister is born.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no- dear. Yeah. And Margaret's mum is Catholic?
0: Well, there's a question mark about this because of the appearance of this other child, Juliana. Right. There is some suggestion that Margaret was sexually assaulted, possibly by a relative, oh. when she was a teenager. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, with this expanding family... And with Margaret basically not having the temperament of a governess, she's much too hot-tempered for that. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really have the patience for it. A scheme is concocted. Okay. Now, fortunately, while I say that um, Margaret's direct family were not very wealthy and not very high status, she did have an uncle. Mm -hmm. An uncle by the name of James Barry, who was a painter... And in fact, professor of painting at London's Royal Academy. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, he died a few years beforehand. Right. But he had friends, and friend- these friends knew about Marianne and Margaret and Juliana. Right. So, like, we have an idea. Margaret is clearly not suited to be a governess. Mm-hmm. She's too brash and outspoken. Yeah, and she's very clever. So clever, in fact, that we think she could be a doctor. Okay. Of course, the problem at this point... Is that she's a woman. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So they're like, well, her uncle has just died Mm -hmm. and he's kind of died a bit quietly. Right. So we could just take his name, Mm -hmm. falsify a few documents, Mm -hmm. and Margaret becomes the new James Barry.
1: I... okay... This is mad!
0: Like, oh yes, the fact
1: that these people came up with this idea—I'm assuming they're living in London.
0: Uh, almost definitely, yes. These people were of the nobility,
1: right? And they're like, so we've we heard about poor James's niece, and you know what? Let's let's go full on Mulan on this. Why not?
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely! Let's, they are definitely <laughs> going to make a man out of her.
1: Amazing! Um, is they... one of
0: them hot and shirtless? God, I hope not. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, uh, Margaret is quite happy to go along with this. Yeah. Like, we kind of, we're very fuzzy on details here. Because obviously, this is quite the plan to concoct.
1: Yeah, and I'm assuming we hear about this from one of them or from Dr. Barry or something later on. Yes. So
0: it must be, like, simplified. Yeah, it's letters written much later. Yeah. So we don't know the fine detail, but this plan is concocted. And as I say, they actually falsify official documents. Oh, my God. Because they kind of... They weren't going to get around the fact that Margaret didn't look particularly boyish. Okay. Um. So... Rather than try and go, you know, this is, this is a man coming in. Don't bother about the fact that he's got, you know, very soft, round features mm-hmm. and he's quite short and has a high pitched voice. Looks
1: remarkably like the Chevalier d'Eon, to be honest.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so they kind of go, rather than just trying to disguise that, we're just going to claim that he's a lot younger than oh, he sure. actually okay. is. Oh, sure. Okay. So
1: doing the whole, um, Oh, he's lying about his age. Exactly.
0: Which well, is- <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't even need to particularly because medical schools actually didn't have an age limit at this point. Okay. I mean, obviously, if you were trying to go in as a child, they'd go, yeah. no.
1: Oh, but um, so are you saying like you could probably get into one at the age of like 14? So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. Absolutely. That's alarming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of alarming about medical schools in those days. I guess... Oh, yeah. One of my year nine
0: students trying to operate on you would be the least of your worries. Yeah, quite, quite true. <laughs> but, I mean... It seemed like the plan was going to work. Okay. Uh The new James Barry was sent to medical school, entered the University of Edinburgh Medical School, dressed in a thick overcoat, mm. which apparently was the outfit that he basically wore most often.
1: I mean, that that works. Yeah. That's very um non-form-fitting.
0: Absolutely. And also three-inch inserts in his shoes Aww. to make him a bit taller. Okay. Now, of course... Some people were suspicious of James Barry. Right. But not for the reason you might think. It seems that no one actually thought James Barry might have been born female. Okay. They basically thought that he was even younger than he <laughs> claims to be. Amazing. Basically thinking he was a prepubescent boy. And they were right. like, we are not having a child here. This is
1: reminding me just way too much of, um, monstrous regiment by terry pratchett oh, like yes. right at the beginning yeah. when our heroine joins the army dressed as a boy yeah and everyone's like you're lying about your age aren't you and it's like actually no um-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this is the thing they could say are you lying about your age and james barry could be like yes, yes but in the complete other direction <laughs> <laughs> they think that he's a lot younger he's actually a lot older <laughs>
1: yeah but yeah, girls can definitely, like, most girls can probably easily pass as prepubescent boys. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially in a time when clothes aren't form-fitting yeah. and you're not expecting to see a girl dressed yeah. in trousers or whatever.
0: So despite the fact that this suspicion did dog him through medical school, mm. he was really quite brilliant. Mm. And so for the most part, got a bit of a free pass.
1: Sure, they're and, like, you know what? This is just a genius child. Yeah. Like,
0: let him do what he wants. The only time it really became a problem was right at the end. The university's board were basically like, this has been fun, yeah, but we're not happy having a child be a doctor.
1: Okay, But also, wouldn't this have been around the time of Burke and Hare? And don't Edinburgh University have enough to deal with?
0: That's a very good point. I hadn't even thought of that.
1: Like, they're kind of dogged by the idea that they're (laughs) definitely butchering cadavers of people who may have been murdered, and if
0: not, were obtained through some dodgy means. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um Well, they decided to take some time out of that scandal. Sure, to to be like. To try and prevent another scandal. (laughs) We're worried that this child is going to become a doctor. Yeah, but fortunately for James Barry, one of the friends of the late James Barry the painter, and possibly one of these conspirators, was the Earl of Buchan.
1: Oh, my God. And
0: he managed to persuade the board to allow (laughs) James to sit the exam. Right. They're
1: like, this is my old friend. He's at least 78.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So James Barry submitted his thesis, which was entitled On Hernia in the Groin.
1: Is there Uh, anywhere else you can get hernia?
0: I don't know. I thought you generally got it around the abdomen.
1: Oh, fair enough. Anyway. People always make, like, smutty jokes about hernias. Oh, fair enough. On, like, things like Friends.
0: Well, this was what James Barry wanted to write his thesis on. Cool. And James,
1: the- I don't think you should be encouraging anyone to look at groins. <laughs> I
0: know, right? But it's great because it... I- Part of me wonders if this was James Barry intentionally doing this, because he also opened his thesis with a quote, which was, Do not consider my youth, but consider whether I show a man's wisdom.
1: Amazing. (laughs) I may have...
0: (laughs) I may have the body of a prepubescent boy.
1: (laughs) But I have the heart and stomach of a much older male doctor. (laughs)
0: Well, he passed and he qualified as a doctor in the year 1812. Cool. A year later, he completed his training at the University Hospital of Guy's and St Thomas's in mm-hmm. London and entered into the Royal College of Surgeons. Okay,
1: I've got to say he's he's clicking in with some good years here. Oh, Cuz 1812 is um, that war between Canada and the US. Yeah. So wonderful like fits in with the dates i know yeah
0: there are also there's a couple of other moments where dates match up with things we'll get to that later nice um so once he had entered the royal college of surgeons james barry decided that what he really wanted to do was enlist in the army Mm -hmm. as a doctor
1: that makes a lot of sense to me like we've said already that he was not disposed to be a governess i'm assuming that he's got kind of like A fiery temper Oh yes Excellent So presumably he's not going to get along so well with just regular doctoring And being in the army and shouting at people will probably be quite good
0: Probably quite good Yeah So yeah he enters the army as a hospital assistant Nice And quickly gets promoted to assistant surgeon Mm.
1: And everyone's like I'm a bit worried that this 15-year-old is about to do surgery on me. And they're like,
0: <laughs> shut up, your leg's got gangrene. Well, he seemed to have a pretty good time. Uh, this was in Plymouth. He did his military training. Nice. And um, he didn't have to undergo any sort of physical examination because they just had a cursory glance and were just like, you look healthy enough, that's fine. Cool. Which to be honest, wasn't uncommon if you didn't look unhealthy, you weren't examined, which is very (laughs) good for James Barry.
1: (laughs) I mean, that makes a load of sense to me. I think they only started bringing in examinations of soldiers around the time that we had, oh, The Boer War.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: Which I remember because I did a thing about Britain's welfare state, which started with the Boer War. Oh, right. Because that was a time when they examined the soldiers who signed up and they found out that only a quarter of the people who tried to enlist Mm -hmm. were fit for service because everyone else was so un- malnourished and unhealthy that they yeah. just had to send them back away. Yeah. Which I'm assuming was not happening back in no. 1812 or whenever. Well, uh,
0: no, I, I imagine not. Because how would you have an army? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Barry had also had further efforts in his guise. Okay. Uh, he would wear six thin towels each day to bulk out his shoulders as well as hide his breasts and the curve of his hips. Nice. Uh, later, You mean on... he didn't bind up his bosom? Well, with towels, yes. Yes, yeah. all right. Uh, later on, his manservant, uh, a black man from Africa by the name of John Joseph Danson, would lay out these towels every day for him for 50 years. Wow.
1: Did the manservant know?
0: Unlikely, because uh, James Barry refused to dress in front of anyone. Okay. For obvious reasons. It's possible the manservant knew. Or maybe it's... the
1: manservant just thought he was kind of touchy in particular about yeah. stuff. Yeah.
0: I think that's more likely. Hmm. So in 1816, following his military training, uh, James Barry was posted to Cape Town in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And he had the fortune there of being introduced to the governor, Lieutenant General Lord Charles Henry Somerset.
1: Do you want to say that whole name again?
0: Lieutenant General Lord Charles Henry Somerset. Nice. We'll call him Lord Somerset. Cool. Uh, Lord Somerset was a friend of the aforementioned Lord Buchan.
1: Oh, so you mean Charlie knew what was going on? no
0: oh, no. there's some question mark over that we'll get to later I right. think it's unlikely that he would have been brought in on the secret okay, okay. I think it's more likely that Lord Buchanan is just like here there's this young doctor James mm. Barry who I know who's a fantastic surgeon
1: yeah get to know him and everyone's like he looks boiling is he okay <laughs> does he want to take some layers off this is South Africa you know
0: no, no layers <laughs> more layers add more on <laughs> But uh, Lord Somerset took to him quite readily and actually allowed Dr. Barry to uh, be introduced the fam- to the family and he was trusted enough to treat Lord Somerset's sick daughter. Ooh. Uh Dr. Barry succeeded in curing the girl and in 1817 he was named as Lord Somerset's family physician. Okay, cool. And this friendship was probably really handy. Mm-hmm. As we said, Dr. Barry did not play well with others. <laughs> He was known for being brash, loud, and somewhat obnoxious to fellow officers and pretty much anyone he didn't like. Amazing. And the list of people he didn't like was quite long, it seemed. With patience, he was known to have an excellent bedside manner. Right. So if you were his patient, you probably thought, what a really nice man. Yeah. If you were his co-worker, you were like, what an absolute turd.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've got this image where he was like, I've had to be nice to people my whole childhood because, you know, yeah. traditional ways of raising girls. And he's like, now I'm going to f***ing tell everyone to
0: f*** <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, in fact, his behaviour <laughs> in one case ended up with uh, a Captain Josias Cloet uh, challenging him to a duel okay first
1: up that's not a name i
0: don't know how to pronounce the same <laughs> okay this is in south africa oh right 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 so i, I so don't probably dutch i quite possibly i'm just gonna go with this and yeah, see sure. what happens the next time but i also, say
1: hooray challenge to a duel you say yeah pistols
0: or swords pistols okay so the duel ended with james barry being shot in the thigh mm. and the captain being shot in the head oh my god Fortunately for the captain, or perhaps it was skill, we don't know how much shooting James Barry did, the captain did not die because the bullet hit the shako on Ah. his head and basically took his hat off rather than killing
1: him that's really funny
0: it's really funny and it's really (laughs) cool yeah and of course it was considered that James Barry had won the duel because you know he hit the head right whereas the captain hit his thigh
1: although technically he just hit a really big hat
0: I mean he did but everyone was just like that's cool
1: yes but also in in Milan doesn't she get wounded in the thigh and isn't that how they find out that she's a girl
0: Uh, possibly, but it wouldn't have happened in this case because James Barry treated himself. Ah, that's so cool. Yeah, he performed surgery on himself and made a full recovery.
1: Oh, 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 this is another inspiration for, um, Monstrous Regiment, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. For reasons we won't say, because spoilers.
0: Absolutely, but you should read it. It's a great book.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've already mentioned it before when we were talking about the largest man in English history at one point. Oh,
0: yeah, Daniel Lambert. Daniel Lambert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to James Barry. Um, He spent a lot of time in Cape Town, but was briefly sent to Mauritius in order to deal with a cholera epidemic. cool.
1: Um,
0: However, he returned to Cape Town almost immediately afterwards. Mm. It seems like he was having a good time there and was getting on really well uh, because in 1822, Lord Somerset named James Barry as Colonial Medical Inspector. Oh, wow. And this was a significant jump in rank. Yeah, it sounds like it. Absolutely. But James Barry proved himself easily equal to the role. He, as I've said previously, he improved sanitation, Mm -hmm. providing much cleaner drinking water. Good. As well as better conditions for the enslaved, imprisoned, mentally ill, and the creation of leper sanctuaries for those afflicted with leprosy. Oh, my God. It seems like through a lot of his life, wherever he went, he wanted to improve things for people who are kind of left behind by society in one way or another. That's cool. It is really cool. It's also during this time, on the 25th of July, 1826, that James Barry performed the famous Caesarean section.
1: Amazing. With
0: both mother and child surviving. That is mad. And
1: it's mad that he did it in Cape Town as well, because I don't know about South Africa specifically, but I do know that if you're in a more warm environment, mm. then you're much more likely to get infections. Yeah.
0: This was also done without anesthesia. Oh, my God. that was not really a thing at the time. Fair enough. But that poor woman. Absolutely. But she survived. The yeah. The child survived. And as I said, this is arguably the first instance of this successful operation in the English-speaking world. That's amazing. As a result, the child was christened James Barry Munick in dr james barry's honor
1: nice although you know i would have called it Macduff.
0: <laughs> absolutely uh the family actually kept the tradition of naming a, a child james barry munich Aww. for a long while in fact one of that family later ended up becoming prime minister of south africa really yeah he's known as jbm herzog oh uh, wow james barry munich oh my god <laughs> he what a legacy i mean yeah absolutely Despite this, he's still got on a lot of people's nerves. Yeah. But it seems like his friendship with Lord Somerset was the thing that, generally speaking, meant he could act with impunity. Mm. I mean, so-
1: like, right now, because he's done his own operation on the bullet wound in his leg, yeah. I am kind of imagining him, like, stomping around, like, house.
0: Oh, right. Being like, yeah. I'm a
1: genius. You can't touch me. <laughs> A little bit,
0: a little bit. Except
1: you know, house isn't nice to his patients.
0: No, that's true. Whereas James Barry was apparently amazing to his patients.
1: He would have had to be, otherwise, he would have been really mean to the um.
0: Oh yeah, Lord Somerset's yes. daughter. Yeah. By 1827, uh, James Barry was promoted again. Oh my gosh! Uh, this did mean, though, that he had to leave Cape Town for a new posting. In fact, returning him to Mauritius. Okay. He only stayed there for a couple of years, though, because in 1829, he left Mauritius without obtaining permission from the army in order to return to England. Okay. And this was because Lord Somerset, who had since retired from his position as governor, was gravely ill. Oh, my God. James Barry stayed by his side for two years as his doctor until Lord Somerset passed away in February 1831. Mm. Oh, what a sweetheart. It sounds like that was a really important relationship. It was, and it has raised a number of questions. Because some people suspect that Lord Somerset did know about James Barry's secret and that the two were in a relationship of sorts. There was graffiti that was found at the time which said, I saw Lord Somerset buggering James Barry. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. It's quite possible, though, that this was just an attempt at smearing them because they were very close and people didn't like James Barry.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was something that people used to assume about basically any person in power's favourites a lot of the time. Like, if you look at anything to do with Richard II, for instance, Mm. there's always the assumption that because he really liked this person and gave them loads of favours, they must have been in a gay relationship.
0: Yeah. So I I think it's more likely that's the case. Mm. Yeah. they they were obviously very close. I yeah. mean, James Berry deserted his position so that he could go back and look after Lord Somerset. But yeah. Why I, I,
1: can't these things just be nice? I mean, that's
0: the thing. I don't, I don't buy that there's enough evidence that, you know, there was anything more to it than that. Mm. Um, but who knows I I mean mean,
1: we don't know but at the same time that's kind of the case with any close friendship between any people of any gender yeah and the fact that we now know that James Barry was genetically female doesn't really have anything to do with it no not really
0: Uh, especially if
1: somebody witnessed their sex and saw it as a male thing
0: yeah (laughs) yeah that definitely shows that you know they did not see shit no Uh, (laughs) So even though he deserted his position, there was basically no fallout from this. Wow. And James Barry continued to receive postings across the British Empire. Uh he went to Jamaica and then to St Helena mm-hmm. where he was actually court-martialed oh my God. for conduct unbecoming of the character of an officer and a gentleman. What did he do? We don't really know. Okay. I think it was too indelicate for it to be written down, really, or I just couldn't find it. Okay. (laughs) Either is possible.
1: But I love that it was unbecoming of a gentleman.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Regardless,
0: though, James Barry was found not guilty and honourably acquitted. Nice. (laughs) So he just continued with his postings and his promotions. After St Helena, Barry went on to two islands in the West Indies And as usual, his work substantially improved the quality of life for troops there and for the people. Mm. Uh, He was unfortunately, though, forced to return to England in 1845 because he had contracted yellow fever. Oh, my God. But he wasn't down for long. And by 1846, (laughs) he had gone to a posting in Malta. Wow. He managed there to upset some dignitaries (laughs) because he went to church sat in the spot reserved for the clergy and refused to move. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: this guy I, sounds like a riot. I, I mean
0: yeah But also was he drunk? Like No, he was teetotal. What? Okay. Yeah. He was uh he was known actually his he had a lot of uh forward thinking views. He was a vegetarian. He right. was teetotal. He kind of knew about nutrition before it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So, yeah, he wasn't drunk at all. Okay. He uh, was he just, just angry with the clergy, apparently. I think he was just angry with anyone telling him what to do. <laughs> <laughs> just like you, whenever we see that thing about 1917. Yes, I will never see that film.
1: Barnaby will never see that film.
0: <laughs> I was told I had to see that film by some advertising, and now I never will. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> The thing was though despite the fact that he pissed a lot of people off he was so very useful mm. and he helped prepare Malta for an epidemic of cholera that lasted from 1850 to 1860. Oh my god. Um he wasn't around for much of the actual epidemic because in 1851 he did have to return to England again because he was sick with infectious diarrhea. Oh god. Yeah. Infectious? Apparently so. This is how it was recorded.
1: Oh, no. I know.
0: It's pretty grim. But (sighs) Dr. James Barry did a Dr. James Barry and... Got better. (laughs) Got better and was given a new posting and a new promotion. Nice, good. He was posted as the Deputy Inspector General to Corfu. Wow, He wasn't there long either.
1: (laughs) He just set up the country, prepared it for the next pandemic, and
0: was like, I'm out of here. I've got another illness. Well, no, this time it's nothing to do with him. The Crimean War broke out. (laughs) You mean war were declared? Indeed. Nice. So he wanted to help out with the soldiers there because he's Mm. basically like, I know what I'm doing. Very few of my peers know what they're doing. I
1: hear there's a woman called Mary Seacole who might know what she's <laughs> doing. It's, uh, yeah, it would have been
0: great if they'd met, but I don't think no, they No, probably ever
1: did. not. I mean, she's just like chilling out in her um, amazing hotel that oh, served yeah. way too much alcohol. He probably didn't approve of it, yeah, actually. Yeah, probably.
0: Uh, speaking of famous figures from the Crimea, though, he did meet Florence Nightingale. Nice. We'll get to that later. Did
1: they get on each other's nerves?
0: They hated each other.
1: Unsurprising.
0: Um, so but also,
1: quick question. Are we about to have another Crimean war? Is that what's happening? Is the Crimea in Ukraine?
0: I have no idea. Okay, fine. Anyway, uh, Dr. Barry was actually told that there were no vacancies for him there. Rude. So, yeah, So he did what other people had done and decided to just finance himself.
1: Okay. So why? This is bizarre. Why is James Barry having the same issues as Mary Seacole? Like, it makes way more sense when Mary Seacole has this as an issue.
0: I don't know. Perhaps it's because he had a black man in his entourage
1: yeah like they were like you know what black men in your entourage black people are fine so long as they're not in
0: crimea for some reason yeah like we're really racist when it comes to going to crimea <laughs> yeah well either way they didn't want him or genuinely just didn't have room hard to tell
1: it's because florence Nightingale took too many nurses that's what it is yeah because that was the reason they gave to mary Seacole.
0: yeah that's true mm. Uh, Well, Dr. Barry, as I said, decided to go at his own expense for three months. Oh, And at this time, a letter of warning was written by a senior medical officer who knew Barry uh, to Sir John Hall, the chief medical officer of the forces in the Crimea. Okay. The letter reads, I may as well warn you that you are to have a visit from the renowned Dr. Barry. He called on me yesterday, and as I never met him before, his appearance and conversation rather surprised me. He appears to be in his dotage and is an intolerable bore. (laughs) He will expect you to listen to every quarrel he has had since coming into the service. You probably know that there are not a few. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's amazing. I mean, it's a bad start (laughs) if you're like... For Sir John Hall to receive that letter. And then it's like, well, I've got this Dr. Barry visiting. I have not heard good things. Despite that, Dr. Barry and Sir John got along famously. Okay. Yeah.
1: Maybe he was fine with listening to people rehash old arguments from their war days.
0: I mean, it could be. Or maybe the other medical officer guy was just one of these doctors who didn't really know what they were doing. Fair. And Dr. Barry did. So... Yeah, they may have gotten along, but Dr. Barry, again, did not get along with everyone. Yeah. Including Florence Nightingale. Who did get on with Fr- Florence Nightingale? Well, very few people. Mm. But this was this was of such a note that Florence Nightingale actually wrote about it herself. Oh wow. Normally she says nice things about other people. Or she did not say <laughs> nice things about James Barry. Okay. So they appeared to have had an argument and I don't know the precise details of it. Right. I've seen a couple of possibilities. One I believe more than the other. The okay. one I don't really believe is that apparently while she was at an army base, Florence Nightingale had a shower and then walked back to her lodging practically naked.
1: What Florence Nightingale did? Yeah. I, I Florence Nightingale? Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: I, that doesn't match with the picture I've heard of her. But... No. Okay.
0: The other possibility is that... James Barry was in a way concerned for her. Okay. Because Florence Nightingale was out in the sun on a very hot sunny day. Right. Wearing only a cap to oh, protect right. herself. And he was basically like, what are you doing? You have to cover yourself more. Right. But either way, they got into this argument and she wrote, and this is actually after Barry's death. Okay. Uh, wrote, I have never had such a blaggard rating in all my life. I, who have had more than any woman than from this Barry sitting on his horse while I was crossing the hospital square with only my cap on in the sun. Mm -hmm. Which is why some people think, you know, naked, but... Oh, no, no. No. He kept me standing in the midst of quite a crowd of soldiers, commissariat, servants, camp followers, etc., every one of whom behaved like a gentleman during the scolding I received (laughs) while he behaved like a brute. After he was dead, I was told that Barry was a woman. I should say that Barry was the most hardened creature I ever met.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> so, as we said, like, Florence Nightingale didn't get along with many people. But as you say, she did tend to, you know, write, if not well, favorably, then at least neutrally. Yeah. Dr. As- James Barry is one of the few people where she's like, he's an asshole.
1: <laughs> Maybe her point of just wearing her cap, though, is actually that she was out on a hot day. She was only expecting to cross the square,
0: yeah. And
1: she and he made her stand there. It could very in the well sunshine.
0: be. I mean, this is the thing. As I say, we don't know exactly what happened. All no. we know is that they hated each other.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I love Florence Nightingale. I, I say this. I say this every time she comes up because there's this tendency in his like with historians nowadays to go. Oh, Florence Nightingale. What a bitch. Not as mm. nice as you imagine. And it's like yeah, cuz you're being a misogynist about well, this. Yes. Um, but I love all the quarrels; They're all
0: great. Yeah. So, having served his time in the Crimea, uh, James Barry was posted in 1857 to Canada. Okay. And he became the Inspector General of Hospitals in Canada. Yeah. In all of Canada. Yes. It's quite big. Oh, yes. It was a a big job and they wanted the best. And they wanted somebody who could ride on horseback for days. Well, he was known for taking long journeys. Oh, Uh, good. As a little side thing, because obviously he did a lot of sea traveling, Uh, Dr. James Barry was very fond of animals, it seems. He generally had a pet dog at all times in his life. Uh, There are photos of him with his beloved poodle by the name of Psyche. (laughs) He also tended to travel with a pet goat. So that he could have fresh goat milk whenever.
1: That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. But also, that must be very destructive. I mean, as we've mentioned many times on this
0: podcast, we have a rabbit. Mm, And he does destroy things. I can't imagine what a goat would do. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, despite this, his health was failing him. Mm. And after long periods of bronchitis and respiratory tract infections, he was forced to retire by the army in 1859 and was put on half pay. Oh. He tried to get reinstated in 1860, but it seems the army just wasn't having it. How old was he by this time? Um, Officially hard to say. Right. Uh, Unofficially. We would say he's probably, what, about 69? Okay,
1: so definitely retirement age, though.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, he's not going down without a fight.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, he's so like that character from *Monsters Regiment.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. How old are you?
1: 43?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like the army would just gonna stonewall him and just be like no we're not having you back you're so old and ill
1: <laughs> he's like i'll get better give me a
0: week <laughs> well it seems that this time that didn't happen mm. he did live for another four and a half years nice um but he passed away on the 25th of july 1865 okay which coincidentally is the same day of the year that he performed that caesarean section.
1: Amazing. I just
0: kind of thought that was that was quite that's fun cool. in a way. Uh, Major McKinnon, his personal physician who had looked after him during his bouts of bronchitis, signed his death certificate, uh, noting the cause of death as diarrhoea.
1: Oh, that's sad. It is
0: sad. But he also, of course, put down that Dr. James Barry was male. Yeah, And this is important because now we go back right to the beginning with the charwoman discovering that Dr. James Barry was born female. Yeah. So the Charwoman decided to try and blackmail Major McKinnon. What? Yeah.
1: Oh, oh that makes sense. Yeah. This is why I was saying it was weird about the charwoman doing the whole body thing, because I was thinking about the charwoman from A Christmas Carol.
0: Ah right. Who is
1: the person who steals all of Scrooge's stuff after he's dead. Yeah including the shirt off his body and stuff. Like, I think there's a a tendency here. There
0: is. And there's some suggestion kind of because of that, that this is a bit of an apocryphal story. Right. But it seems that one way or the other, someone tried to blackmail Major McKinnon. Great. And he was
1: like, I just didn't check.
0: Well, they were kind of sort of saying, well, you can't have been a very good doctor if you didn't know that your patient was female. He's like, no one knew. (laughs) And Major McKinnon came back with the best response. Yeah. Which is basically... I don't care. It's none of my business if James Barry is male or female. Oh, that's
1: brilliant. It is
0: brilliant. It's mostly because Dr. James Barry didn't have any more family who might be, you know, offended or scandalized by the whole thing. There was no issue of inheritance or anything like that. Fair. So it really didn't matter to anyone. Like the only people who it would matter to were basically... Gender critical people nowadays. Mm, I was
1: I was about to say, but but what about the bathroom situation? Like <laughs> what about the toilet situation though?
0: Yeah, it would probably offend graham Linnehan, but yeah. no one else. <laughs> <laughs> so because of this, the child woman was like, Well, if you're not gonna pay me, I'm gonna sell my story. And did sell it to some journalists who got in touch with Major McKinnon mm. and he was basically like, Eh.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So
0: the story kind of became a rumour more than it was fact. Okay. The British army actually decided that this could be a scandal. Like Major McKinnon might not care, but they cared. Right, okay. So they took all correspondence and records that could indicate that James Barry was born female and sealed them for a hundred years. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. It is
0: only relatively recently that... This was more than folklore.
1: Okay, that's so cool.
0: Yeah, in fact, some of these records were unsealed as late as 2008. Some of them were sealed a bit longer, Yeah, like 150 years rather than 100 years.
1: Okay, so for about 100 years, there would occasionally, I assume, be some army historian be like, oh yeah, there was that myth that... barry might have been a woman yeah they're like meh, and
0: then suddenly one day they get opened and it's like a gold mine yeah and it is kind of important because at the time there were a lot of sort of theories and in a way we don't have a solid picture Mm. but i think more recent records definitely push us in one direction because some doctors who examined the body of james barry said Essentially, that he had ambiguous genitalia. Oh, right. Some fully said, you know, he was hermaphroditic. Yeah. And others basically, I mean, to use modern parlance, said that he was intersex. Right. Uh, others, though, basically said no. Like the, the the body in front was female, as far as they were concerned, mm. and uh, it's a bit like um, the Chevalier d'Eon, where they yeah. say is like perfectly formed. Yeah. That's what they said of James Barry as well. Right. So. Like, and this is from records that were unsealed relatively recently. Mm. It's very likely that James Barry was born a woman. Nothing ambiguous, really, about his genitalia.
1: Yeah, because otherwise, presumably, his family would have said yeah. something, done something, yeah. gone, you know what, it's really helpful that we've got two boys who yeah. can do boyish things.
0: Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we can... We can argue about whether or not James Barry was a trans man, but frankly, he lived almost all of his life as a man. Mm. He called himself a man. He acted in these ways that at the time you would say, that's a man.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, Florence really...
1: Nightingale clearly had a lot of issues with his behavior.
0: Yeah. So, really. I think we're pretty safe to say that James Barry was a man. I mean, yeah. does I it really make with, much of a difference? I guess
1: with all of these things, like, we're actually doing, we're actually at school doing a um, mm-hmm. an SRE day. Um, with, sure. Sure. With the year nines. And we're talking about, like, issues to do with LGBT. Yeah. And one of the main things that we are being encouraged to talk to the kids about is the idea that the point of having these labels isn't to label people. yes. Yeah to always remember that people are people yeah. and they're going to have different experiences. But James Barry, I feel, in terms of experience, had an experience that maybe many trans people today would relate to and yeah, understand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we can call that any number of things, really. Mm. But frankly, I think society saw him as a man.
1: Yeah, it it really sounds like it. Yeah. They either saw him as a man or a boy. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4 and you can email suggestions to us at ttwpod at gmail.com.
1: If you're on Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. That would be incredible and help push out our message of strange people living strange lives to even more people who are also living strange lives. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronists, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used on the pod.
0: And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and shout at Florence Nightingale. Bye!